pray shall continually be in my mouth. I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Cast your cares upon him for he careth for you. There is none like it unto our God, the mighty God of Israel.
very creator of our soul, who knew us before the foundation of the world, brings life, hope to a weary soul in a weary land. He is the mighty God. He rules supreme. Besides him, there is none other. Of our soul. Jesus, the we came to worship him today. God, we bowed our knees to you. We lift up our hands to give you honor and glory. For about two hours. Um, a lot of people out there are unfamiliar with um, what we preach and teach. And, you know, you have to understand within the last um, two weeks, we've been had probably about 50, 60,000 views on our YouTube page. And uh, of course, that's bringing, um, I figure probably you probably get about maybe 10 people out there that may end up faithful. May. Maybe 10 out of 100,000. That's, that's good odds right there. You understand what I mean? Because most people, it's, everything is kind of like window dressing. You understand what I mean? Um, I, I kind of always. Um, I hate to use this word, but that's the only word that we can equate and understand in this Babylonian language that we've learned. Uh, but I'm, I kind of always worry whenever you get too many people agreeing with you. If you understand what I mean. It's not good to have people agreeing with you, especially the masses. Now, I understand that in our time, um, that people have, you know, people, people want to be loved. People want to be liked. They really do. 
Uh, nobody wants to be hated. Nobody wants to be talked about. You understand what I mean? Now, me, I don't care. One way or the other. Makes no difference to me whatsoever at all. Um, of course, then people would say, well, who do you think you are? I can't. You beat me to the punch. You understand what I mean? Because my concern is not what men think about me. I have somebody that's greater than men. And that's what I'm trying to get the people of the most high to. I'm trying to get us in our mindset to start thinking. You may be seated, saints. I'm trying to get us to, to get to the mindset and the thinking. Because, you, you know, we have all grew up in a certain philosophy. And... Every last one of us got backgrounds from these philosophies, and every last one of them taught, unless you were part of those philosophies, if you did not ascribe to that philosophy, and I'm talking about any form or sect of Christianity, uh, you automatically assumed that all the rest of them that wasn't with you was on their way to hell. And of course, then when somebody like me stand up and say, well, you ain't got to worry about that because all Christians are going to hell. The first thing you get is you get people, mind gets shocked. Whoo! What did you just say? Because Christianity is a religion. And the Most High did not come to give us religion. When he showed up on the scene, and he did it many times, he's done it many times. And when he talked, to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai, he gave them laws and commandments. He spoke to them the commandments, which is the faith of our fathers. Am I making any sense? Am I making any sense whatsoever at all? He gave them commandments. And since then, our people have, um, Brother Ed, can you get First Maccabees, brother? Um, we're going to start at verse, we're going to probably start at verse 40. Get Brother Ed a mic and stand up here, Brother Ed, I want you to read something. Since then, are y'all following my thought here for a moment? Since then, our people, and I want y'all to listen real good. Since then, <clears throat> our people have done everything within their mind and power to transgress the commandments of the Creator. So now we, we have this philosophy that is in our world today called Christianity. And what Christianity has done, and, and, I, and I hope that I can explain this to where even a lay person can understand, is that, I tell you what, before I go that route, let, let me go to the way we were bought up, okay? Nothing to us is real, including belief. Belief to us is mental assent. Whatever I agree what truth is, then that is truth to me. Amen. That's why we have all these divisions. Because we have functioned in an abstract viewpoint. That's the way we understand things. Amen. Nothing with the way that we have been raised in this Western European American Greek society teaches us that anything is concrete and tangible, especially when it comes to faith 
in the creator of the universe. Somehow, some way, we can all say, I believe. <clears throat> and we believe because we say, I believe. That that equates to us being saved or having so-called salvation. Amen. But yet, in the Hebraic thought, which this is where this book comes from. You first have to understand that, that this book is a book of laws, statutes, and commandments. Not suggestions, not maybes, not if you want to do it, you can have a better life. This book is, has only been written to one nation of people. Now I know that's hard for us to understand. I know that's hard for us to understand and grasp because we have been trained. We have had our minds manipulated. Mm -hmm. We believe we know truth because somebody said something to us. We put mental assent with it and we agreed with it. And so to us, that equates truth. Amen. Yet, the ancient Hebrew people understood from a different perspective than what we do today. The prophets understood these scriptures totally different than the way they have been presented to us today. Amen. The apostles understood these scriptures, this book right here, and including their writings, totally different than the way we perceive them be, to be today. That's why people are having a difficult time because when you have a religion that makes it so easy for you to go get into the kingdom just by having mental assent, who would not want to take that? Now, that doesn't mean that it's right. Because there are a lot of people that believe that and they're in the grave right now on their way to hell. And so, I'm not willing to take chances with the only soul that I have. I'm not willing to believe just because some church father said this is the way that it is, that that is the way that it is. Am I making any sense? Since there's only one of me and I only got one life to live, I've got to make sure I do everything to check everything out. You see, I know one thing. Jeremiah, somebody, brother, one of y'all brothers get Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Shooting from the hip here. I know one thing about us. And that's every man that I've ever come across. Every one of them. Start with me, myself. That every single one of our hearts is evil. Amen. And it is desperate to do wickedness. And to be wicked. And that is the truth. Because we alleviate ourselves from this type of judgment, we have justified ourselves and made our own selves righteous in our own eyes. And so today, we have a product of a lawless society. Because belief is only a mental ascent. Now, the way that our ancient people believed, the Hebrew Israelites, they believe that in order for you to have what you would call scriptural, biblical faith, 
there must be an external, if I can use those words, there must be an external sign to show not only you, but whoever runs across you that you are a believer. So to say that you believe in the most high and yet you do not keep his commandments. The scripture says you are a liar. And that's how the Bible talks. And the truth is not even in you. If you say you believe and then you keep his commandments, that means there's going to be an external show of your allegiance. Because belief without obedience is deception. It's lies personified. Our society has produced a lawless society. A nation of bastards. All because we have minerals in belief and we have nothing operating. External which shows the inward working of the heart of who we're serving and who we're obedient to. Amen. Am I making any sense, Amen. brothers and sisters? Amen. I'm not talking over our heads, right? No. You know, because people say, man, Pastor, you, know, you talk plain that, man, I'm telling you direct and even a child can understand it. I hope so. Because even the children have to be saved. Amen. Because the way they're being raised by this generation today, the chances are they're going to help the prophecy of Elias and help hell get larger. And that is the truth. So Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Somebody read that. Read loud, Brother Rich. Read loud. The heart is deceitful. That means your heart, my heart, everybody's heart. Read on. Above all things. Above all things, your heart is deceitful. See, your heart will deceive you into believing that you don't have to keep God's commandments. You don't have to be holy and live holy. You don't have to be separated from this world because that's what Christianity teaches. Amen. Amen. And the heart wants to believe the easy way. Amen. Now, if faith was so easy, I would hate for any of us to have to have it tried like Abraham had his. Amen. Who could pass that test today? Amen. Huh? Come on, brothers and sisters, talk loud. Amen. Who could pass that test today? You see... Abraham didn't know how strong his faith was until there was an external show of function. The most high, even though he knows our heart, he said in his word itself, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you love me. Now I know. Why? Not because Abraham gave mental assent, but he had his faith tried. Is that right? So we have a philosophy today that tells you, and they use philosophy, you get Colossians 2.8. And they affect our minds, and they make us think that all we have to do is just acknowledge the Creator and the Messiah, and we are saved. No, you are lost. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you would do what? Keep my Keep commandments. My commandments. God, my commandments. Anybody know what God means? To observe. Hmm? That means to observe. 
Is that right? Hallelujah. Read on, Brother Rich. And desperately wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. You see the reason why people would love the Christian philosophy? Because it is desperately wicked. Who would not want to be wicked and feel like you can be saved at the same time? Amen. Your flesh would love that doctrine. And it did love that doctrine. Amen. Read on. Who can know it? I tell you who does know it. The one who made it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we deal in abstract forms and we don't deal coming from a functional viewpoint it's hard for us today because we've had this stuff sold and ingrained in us all of our lives Amen. and so to remove it you have to get you have to get a jackhammer you've got to get a mig welling machine you've got to, i mean you got to get busy you need a crane you need demolitions Man, forget it. Get a F-15. Because <laughs> we got a lot of junk that is in us that has to come out. Amen. Now, Colossians 2.8, what did it say? Beware. Read loud, brother. Read, a, read loud. Oh, boy, good thing I stopped that saying. I was, I was getting ready to go back to a military saying. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. We got pure ears in here, don't we? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. See how the Holy Spirit is oh, that quick, boy. <laughs> now, come on, brother. Talk up. Beware. Let any man spoil you through philosophy. Have we all not been spoiled through philosophy? Oh, yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Huh? I mean, we got a religion out there telling us that God changed this holy day. He changed the commandments. Now, we don't have to keep them. Um, you, can, you, you get rid of the, ho the holy days and do the holidays. The Christmas and the Easter and everything else. Amen. This is a philosophy. Amen. And that philosophy is not found in the, within the cover of this book. Amen. I believed that at one time. Did you? Amen. And the apostle Paul, who the so-called Christians would even take his word over Jesus. Amen. He said, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. And what else? Let me give us the modern day translation. Lies. Amen. Read on. After the traditions of men. After the traditions of men. See, what was the problem when Christ was here on this earth with the scribes and Pharisees? Traditions, traditions of men. Amen. The traditions of men was challenging the real true faith Amen. of our people. So when we start talking the way we talk today, because people have been trained. In the philosophy of Christianity, they automatically think that we're speaking against our Messiah. Now, let me get this right. He's our Messiah. Amen. <laughs> You're trying to come to our covenant. Isn't that right? I just want to put it in proper order and perspective now. See, because when you know who you are as a people, then my God, you will act like God's people. You will obey the most high. Amen. Is that right? Amen. All right. Read on. After the rudiments of the world. Laws of this world. That people even esteem the laws of this world over Christ. And we're going to show you that in 1 Maccabees. Read on. And not after Christ. And not after Christ. Christ didn't create this mess. No, he, didn't. he didn't create all this division. No, he, didn't. No, 
He didn't come to give us Christianity or Protestantism or the Roman Catholics. No, he didn't. I mean, let's just get, let me, can I just say something to us real quick? Because Brother Shane is going to give us a teaching and you better get ready to get out because, boy, I tell you what, he's going to tap the, uh, are you going to teach? He's going to tap something that all the philosophies again. And you know he like using images to show. Now, see, what he does, he goes out there. Brother Shane, he gets up here and he starts preaching and teaching. Then I'm the one got to receive the fire from it. He gets up and teaching. Then the people start attacking me. Because that star, there ain't no such thing as no star David like that. So he gonna get up here now. Now I'm really gonna get buried because all the Christians gonna attack me now. But anyway, can I? I'm gonna go back as far as I can. I'm gonna go back to about 300 years after Christ. Is that all right? If we really truly want to look at what the early believers were called. Now, I'm going to say something here, all right? And I want you to get your little book out, your Bible, and open up your mind and get to studying and show yourself approved. And if you really, truly want to know another name that was given to us who are followers of Christ, you would be in the purest sense and have the purest sense of a title if you use the word Nazarene. Did y'all hear what I said? Nazarene. Did y'all hear what I said? Absolutely correct. It's 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 all in the book. (sighs) Nazarene. They even called Paul that. Paul even said it. The the scribes and Pharisees turned around and they told Paul. They said, "Now Paul was also an Israelite, a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin." The scribes and Pharisees said, this man is a ringleader of the sect. Now, a sect is what we would call a cult today. But what you have to do is understand who is calling you a cult. You got a cult calling you a cult. Now, something's wrong with that. Are you following me? Something is very wrong with that. But um, you write down Matthew 2.23 in your little um, pages so you can study that. And then you go over at Acts 24 and you read a little bit about that. And you'll find out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Ed is going to read to us what most of you out there don't like doing. That's called reading. We're a picture society. That's why we got idols everywhere. That's how we communicate. We, we look at pictures and then we talk about it. Yeah, amen. That, that's one thing about Israelites. Boy, they hate reading. Hate studying. Now, what had happened was, is that Alexandria the Greek, he came down and he conquered Judea. Are y'all following me? And he entrenched and instilled. Now, Alexander the Greek was a whole lot more lenient towards the ways of the Jews than King Antiochus. Amen. King Antiochus was ruthless. Amen. 
So when Alexander the Greek time was up, Antiochus was next in rule. Now, Alexander the Greek allowed the Hebrews to continue on in their customs. But when King Antiochus came on the scene, he said, now, wait a minute. I want everybody to be one people. And I wonder what that one people might be. Does that not sound like what we're dealing with today? There's nothing new on the sun, right? Amen. Does that not sound like history today? Amen. Don't we got something called a new world order? Amen. First of all, get, strike that mess out of your mind. There ain't nothing new under the sun. It's the old order that has done come back again. <laughs> it's new because it's new to you. You renewed, amen. And, and I'm glad you said that word, brother. Brother, it said renewed. See, a lot of people don't understand that in Hebrew thought, are you following me? What we call, no, what we call today, new covenant, they never thought about it like that. Very good. It was called a renewed covenant. That's right. Oh, boy. Amen. See how we tore up? From the flow up, we tore up. We tore up because why? We won't read. Amen. We will not read. We will not study. No, we don't. We put a cheap value on our soul. We'll look at a cartoon. We'll go shopping. Oh, yeah, we will too. We'll do all these other external things which has no value to your eternal soul salvation. Amen. And we'll extend that way up here, but uh -uh, we will not invest in our soul salvation. Now, King Antiochus said, let's see, let's start reading over here, brother. Um, where you at? How about 37? Let me look at it. We'll start. Um, is that the one we're talking about? All the people being one nation, one people? It leads into it. There you go. That's a good place to start. Okay. Thus they shed innocent blood. We in First Maccabees. Mm -hmm. Now you Christians don't know nothing about that. You don't know nothing about that. And the reason why you don't know nothing about that because your philosophers struck it from the record. But us Israelites, we, we read the books. Was this not in the original 1611 King James? Yes, sir. Amen. Was it not, saints? Amen. Well, okay, so we're going to read it then. Uh, I don't know who called themselves inspired to remove it, but we're going to read it. Amen. Because we're going to read a historical fact. Are you following? Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing that has happened today. Read on, brother. First Maccabees, the first chapter, starting at verse 37. Thus they shed innocent blood on every side of the sanctuary mm -hmm. and defiled it, insomuch that the inhabitants of Jerusalem fled because of them, whereupon the city was made an habitation of strangers, and became strange to those who were born in her. Y'all hear that? Read on. And her own children left her. Her sanctuary was laid waste like a wilderness. Y'all hearing this? This is what the Greeks did to our people. They came down and just destroyed everything and laid it, laid it, laid it waste like in the wilderness. Read on. Her feasts were turned into mourning. Her feasts were turned into mourning. In case you didn't know who the Greeks were, let me, let me give you the example who are modern-day Greeks. Modern-day Greeks are Europeans. Um... People who are from France, Italy, Germany, America, um, Russia, 
And all those providences that says in the table of nations in Genesis 10, the isles of the Gentiles. Them Greeks came down and just tore up our city, not because they didn't have license to do so, because they did. You know the reason why they had license to do so? Because the most high people were wicked. Amen. We hated his covenant, just like we do today. Amen. We, we come up with sayings, we're not under that law. Amen. So we live lawless. Uh-oh. Isn't that the truth? Yes, sir. So we're going back and reviewing this historical fact right here to show you the condition that we're in today and why we are always on a quest and a search for obedience to truth. Because without obedience, you don't have no God. Amen. Christ said, to whomsoever you yield your member servants to obey, that two servants you are. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Read on, Brother Ed. Her Sabbaths into reproach, her honor into contempt. Mm -hmm. As had been her glory, so was her dishonor increased. And her, and her excellency was turned into mourning. Keep going. Moreover, King Antiochus wrote to his whole kingdom. What, what did King Antiochus write? That all should be one people. Oh, that all should be what? One people. So all you people who are dumb and stupefied in the religion of Christianity, listen for a minute. So you can understand what's going on today. We got... A government, the governments of the world, that's trying to make everybody one people. We don't like to equate it because we're too busy arguing with each other over who has the greatest philosophy. None of you do. Uh-oh. Are y'all listening to me? Read on. And everyone should leave his laws. Everyone should leave what? His laws. That seems, everyone should leave his what? Mind you. King Antiochus was a Greek. He wasn't telling the Greek to leave his laws. He, them instructions was given to the Israelites. He came down here and he tore up the land of Judah. And he told them people, now you're going to leave your laws. You're not going to be, you're not going to keep no covenant with God, keeping no commandments and statues and, and feast days and holy days. You're not going to be doing that. Not no more, you're not. What has Christianity done here in America? Done away with them all. Huh? Done away with all the laws. And they have, my, boy, they have used enough ink that could fill up Lake Michigan in the amount of books that they've written to deceive your minds Amen. and how to stay in transgression against the Most High. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. Come on, Brother Ed. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. So all the heathen agreed according to the commandment of the king. That's a monopoly, isn't it? Is that not a Ponzi scheme? That's a straight up monopoly, isn't it? Amen. Sure, all the heathen, because the Greeks were what? Heathens. Just like the Americans are. Heathens. Say that, Sister Cindy, what? Heathens. They're heathens. So you know all the heathens are not going to have any problem with the edict that is coming from the king. Amen. Whatever decree is coming from the Greek king because they're heathens, they're not going to have any trouble with it. Amen. The only people going to have trouble with it are those who will serve the most high. That's right. Is that right? Amen. Well, let's watch this attitude for a minute. Read on. 
Yea, many also of the Israelites. And many also of the Christians. No, Israelites. Many also of the Baptists. No. The Methodists. Nope. The Catholics. Nope. The Apostolic. Nope. The Pentecostals. Seven Day Adventists. Morning, 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 Episcopal, Pentecostal, Lutheran. Methodist, 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 Church of God, Church of God, Church of God in Christ. Wrong. Israelites. Are we getting this point over? And many also of the Israelites, read on, consented to his religion. You sorry dogs. You sorry spineless dogs. Mm -hmm. Amen. And sacrificed unto idols. They did what? Sacrificed unto idols. Hell will freeze over the day I'd sacrifice to an idol. Come back. They're going to come and kill you. You're going to die. I got some news for you. You're going to die one day anyway. <laughs> you either going to die standing up or you're going to serve on your knees. Amen. Oh, the Greeks came down and conquered her. Oh, we got to keep them alone. Oh. Amen. I guess we're just a different breed, saints. Amen. We just, we've got to be a different breed. Amen. What I'm doing is I'm using this as a small time. I ain't mean to take up so much, but I'm going to answer one of my critics. Got to get this video out because there's plenty of other critics out there. So, so and many of the Israelites consented and sacrificed unto idols, right? Mm -hmm. And profaned the Sabbath. And, oh, God. And they did what? Profaned the Sabbath. Profaned the Sabbath. What did the heathens do today? Profane it. You think the heathens care about the Sabbath? Uh -uh. No, okay. Read on. For the king had sent letters by messengers unto Jerusalem and the cities of Judah that they should follow the strange laws of the land. Well, I tell you what, you send me a letter and see what, we'll see how you get a return to send them. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come on. You know, there is something that really, like what Granny was saying, saying, singing a while ago, I got something on the inside moving all over me. It's called the Holy Ghost. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, we don't have no life. Amen. And one thing about the Holy Ghost is he removes all fear of men. Amen. See, death to us is a deliverance. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's right. So you got to try something else because threatening me, well, I won't kill you. That ain't gonna get me. Bring it on. That ain't gonna get me. We all gotta go sometime or another. Might as well go right. Amen. What did what did, what did Paul say? For the sufferings of this present time. It's not even worthy to be compared to what's going to be revealed to them that love him. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. Did he not say that? And that's two immutable facts. And one of them is he cannot lie. Amen. So it's so great, precious promises as these. How can I deny the Holy One of Israel? Amen. 
We getting, I'm going to show you historic, history, brothers and sisters. Let you see what kind of condition we're in today. Read on. And forbid burnt offerings. And, and forbid, because see, back then it was still doing what? Sacrifices. Amen. We don't need to do it today because the Messiah has been our sacrifice. He is our sacrifice. He's atoned. Read on. And sacrifice. And Come on. And drink offerings in and, the temple. And drink offerings in the temple. Come on. And that they should profane the Sabbaths and festival days. They, they, they stuck on that profaning the Sabbath, ain't they? See, today the Sabbath has been profaned by your twist, warped, distorted minds. Amen. Read on. And pollute the sanctuary and holy people. And pollute the sanctuary. See, they just want to desecrate the whole entire belief, don't they? Read on. Set up altars and groves and chapels of idols and sacrifice swine's flesh. Now, you look all over the place. Look all over the place in this land right here. There are not altars and groves everywhere. Are there not statues everywhere? This land, this land is inundated with Greek philosophy. In your day, they were Greek idols. Greek temples, you can't even go one mile from this place and not hit a Greek temple. Amen. That's the truth. They call themselves Protestants. They dress themselves up by calling themselves Protestants and Christians. Amen. Pastor Dow, you're supposed to love. I am loving them. I'm loving them to tell you the truth. Amen. Read on. Oh. Just don't forget that now they're moving up each other's church time on their sun god Sunday so they can beat each other to the barbecue pit. Amen. <laughs> Teach swine's flesh. Uh-huh. Wow. Amen. Brother Shane told me, he said he was talking to the Church of Christ guy and said that, said that they, you know, they up their church services 30 minutes earlier so they could beat the Baptist to the swine's pit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Are this not Greeks? Amen. Are we sticking in the book? Amen. Do you see the same behavior today? Yeah. See, they was trying to, they forced some of our people. Because you read a little bit further, some of our people, they chose rather to accept death than to be under that kind of tyranny. Amen. Uh-oh. Amen. That's why I talk the way I talk. Because if your mind don't know the law, if your mind has never heard of the word, if your mind don't know, how can he hear without a preacher? Amen. And how can he preach unless he be sent? Amen. Read on, brother. And sacrifice swine's flesh and unclean beasts. Read on. That they should also leave their children uncircumcised. Leave their children on what? Circumcised. Does not the Greek speak? The Greek, American Greeks, right? Mm-hmm. Read on. And make their souls abominable. Make their souls abominable. How do you do that? With all manner of uncleanness and profanation. Are y'all hearing this? Are y'all hearing Just be a lawless people. Do what you want to do. Read on. To the end, they might forget the law. To the end... That you might forget the law. Isn't that something? Uh, uh, every single one of us has got this disease and cancer of religion Amen. that has touched us in some way, shape, fashion, or form. Amen. And we're using the surgical instrument and the precision of the word of God to clean it out of us. Amen. Amen. 
Oh, Amen. praise God. Amen. We're going to be clean. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm reading this because I'm letting the whole world know this pastor is not bound as neither bell. This pastor is not going to eat no swine's flesh. Amen. This pastor is not going to forsake the law of God. Amen. This pastor is not going to be sacrificing under no idols. You can forget it. Amen. Amen. Because then some of the cowards out there, well, we'll see. I guess we're going to have to see then, ain't we? You're going to have to see because I know you're going to see because you're going to be over there consenting to my death. Uh-oh. Read on. And change all the ordinances. Change all the ordinances. You know what I mean? Forget the holy days. We got start Day, Istro. We got Easter. We got rabbit laying eggs. And we got a big old fat man named Santa Claus now. We got Sunday. Pig is clean now. Do you didn't know? You better ask somebody. <laughs> Read on. And whosoever would not do according to the commandment of the king. Of the who? The king. Yeah, what king is that? The little king. The, the little king. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> the so yeah, the little king. The king Antiochus, right? Right. Uh -huh. He said. I, he, he said, said what? I would love to. Die. I would love to tell the king myself. So whosoever would not do after the commandment of, of King Antiochus, what did they say they should do? Die. They should die. Well, I guess I might die then. Oh, passed out. You can't mean that. I guess we get to test that boast one day then, don't we? So that's the problem with Christianity. You don't have the real genuine Holy Ghost. Because if you had the real genuine Holy Spirit, this is not even on for discussion. Mm -hmm. Nothing between. My soul and my Savior. Amen. Read on. In the self-same manner wrote he to his whole kingdom. He, what, he wrote to the whole kingdom. And appointed overseers over all the people. Them called sheriffs and policemen, judges, <laughs> uh -huh. magistrates. Come on. Commanding the cities of Judah to sacrifice city by city. And then if they, when they run out of them, then they get the military out there. Mm -hmm. Read on. Then many of the people were gathered unto them, uh -huh. to wit, every one that forsook the law. And so they committed evils in the land. You hear that? Them cowards, Israelites, gathered together, forsook the law because they were scared because they hide was going to be accounted for. Mm -hmm. Read on. And drove the Israelites into secret places. Come on. Even wheresoever they could flee for secure. Now that's some people took off. You remember flee into the mountains? Read on. Now the 15th day of the month, Caslu, in the 145th year. Now we could read the rest of this all day long, but then you're going to get to the point where there were some Israelites who did not compromise. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to teach you, brothers and sisters. If you don't hear it from here, where are you going to hear it from? Amen. Where are you going to hear it from? We're going to, we can go to the Missionary Baptist Church up here, right? No. <laughs> no. They're going to teach us holiness. Uh -uh. No. They're going to teach us sanctification. Nope. They're going to teach us the right way. They're going to teach us to keep the commandments, right? No. Hmm? No, they give us some good pig and catfish. Though. Yeah. Brother Ed said they'll give you a good pig and catfish dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all see, y'all see how treacherous this is? Can y'all really see what Christianity is? I tell you what, Satan has done a job with that. That is the religion that he has used to send more people to hell than any other. All the other ones are going anyway. But the deception in this is, is that they use the name of Yahshua. They use the name of Jesus. And then they get you to transgress the law. And then you go to hell. Mm -hmm. 
so much for Hebrews 11 chapter. Biggest faith chapter that there is. Every one of them had mental sin, right? Isn't that something? Faith without works is dead. Amen. And that's the reason why you got dead Christian faith today. Now, any one of you nice Christian pastors want to challenge these boats right here, I'm a very tactful man. I'll be more than happy to come and break down history for you. We're going to use this book. This one alone. Amen. Ain't nothing I'm going to do it. I get people that always want to judge me. You know, I'm going to end on this. Come on up, Brother Shane. I'm ending on this. I've learned over the years, and I've learned over the years, that the more that I read this book, the more I study this book, the more I uncover about myself I never did know. I've learned to judge myself first. It's easy for me to sit up here and to point fingers and say, look how messed up everybody else is. But I really truly can't do that and then provide direction until I first could see myself. I had to see myself first, brothers and sisters. And when I saw myself, I saw a vile thing. Yeah. And so I'm still discovering things about myself that I shortcomes I just don't like. Because I'm not seeing the way man sees. I'm seeing the way he sees. So for this cause, we bring you the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You write down Acts 24, verse 14. But this I confess, this is what Saul said, Apostle Paul, unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, that they not call our way heresy. Mm-hmm. All right, listen to what he says. Huh? So worship I the Elohim of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law, the teachings, the Torah, and in the prophets. So I'm not concerned about people calling our way heresy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At least I'm willing to, and, and I'm glad to be set for the defense of the gospel. Amen. And I like these coward preachers of the day. They'll, they want to type on the internet and don't want to stand face to face and come reason together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're blessed people, saints of the most high. Amen. We are blessed people. Y'all be encouraged. I hope you learned something. And if I step on your toes and your knees and your elbows, say ouch and thank you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Say thank you, Father. Huh? Thank you because if I I'm telling you, I'm gonna step on, I'm gonna make it bleed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to the king. Amen. You know, the beautiful thing about it is I'm going to get to see y'all every last one, each and every one of you in the new Yerushalayim. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the King. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, sir. Huh? Amen. To the new Yerushalayim. So if some of you pass on and go on before me, don't worry. I ain't planning on nowhere near it giving up. I've come too far. Hallelujah. Pay too much. Stay too long to go back to 
swine flesh. Uh -huh. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the abomination. And the mouse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if Brother Shane don't get finished today, um, we just have to come back next service and finish up, all right? Because we don't want to wrap the patience. I didn't have an idea that I was going to do this much talking today, but make sure you get this video, Brother Shane, Brother Juan. Make sure you get it to Brother Shane so he can break it down in you, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, at least one thing about this, man, I've told him the truth. Amen. I had a lady call me up and said, oh, boy, you said you was an Israelite? Boy, I thought you was a racist. I go, I'm out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, you know what I mean? And the reason be, because, see, what they do is the same way everybody else do. If you have a certain name attached to you, because there's so many people that have defiled it and tainted it, when they see a real true one, you know what I mean? And they find out you're not like him is like a breath of fresh air. And you know the only reason why she could figure out that I was, a ra that I was not a racist? She said, because, boy, I saw that white man sitting up there reading next to you. <laughs> I said, you wouldn't believe how many times a week I get accused of racism. And every single time I, I would give them my website and tell them to go look at it. You know, I got a little smiley face on the front of, you know, on the, front of the website. And I never get a reply back. <laughs> never get a reply back. Because hmm? I said, I... All I associated with is Israelites. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's it. What are you going to do? All right. Brother Sam, you ready? Then you ain't ready yet. <coughs> Did y'all understood, understood what I said? Y'all got it, right? Hmm? See, see the reason why I'm so passionate about this truth? Because our soul depends on it. I'm passionate about this because our soul depends on this. I can't afford, brothers and sisters, to, I, mean, I don't want to. Don't have it in my heart to lie to you. Would never do it. Hallelujah. Would never do it. So, you know, some people got problems with you. Call yourself Nazarene. You're still going to get flagged no matter what. Anything but Christian. All right, what you got, Brother Shane? You can restart this, Brother Juan. For Brother Shane here. Ain't move my Bible. Well, you need to cut off. You want me to cut off that one? All right, good. Brother, cut that off. Now, they had cut off as my brother. He's taller than I am. He can reach it, man. I couldn't reach it. I took a take test, boy, I could lose a half inch just by reaching up. <laughs> well, glory to glory. I didn't do nothing but get in trouble again. That's all right. That's all right. We're going to get in trouble. Praise the Lord. 
do a little, uh, we're going to do a teaching here on uh, a most, uh, I guess, sought after and looked after emblem in uh, Christianity called the cross. As you see here, we've got some hands and they're an obeisance to a, uh, a wooden Ephesus. Much of uh, Christendom looks up to this emblem pretty much as uh, their faith. Their standard and the reason of uh, their belief. Praise the Lord. Move that up a little bit more. This up a little higher. I'll leave it like that. I guess hopefully that'll be all right. Everybody see it well? Yeah, this uh, has been in uh, play for a mini millennial. We'll learn today that this this uh, very image is uh, not Christian. Deuteronomy four fifteen tells us says, "Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire." They mean they didn't see no form of God, and they had no likeness or anything to ascribe him to. But somehow today, we think we got some way to ascribe him to something. Said, lest ye corrupt yourselves. All of a sudden, now you want to create God into an image, into a likeness. He said, if you do so, you're going to what? Corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image. Well, we, many of us say, well, I didn't make the cross. But the graven image that we're dealing with is in this hour is in the heart and in the mind that's being engraven in here. Graven in the spirit. Even though we're not doing it with our hands, but our heart and our mind and our conversation is doing the engraving. It's been engraven in us so much that our belief and our actions come outward to what we believe. Lest you corrupt yourselves and make a graven image. The likeness, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. The likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air. The likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground. The likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. And you can see many Christian automobiles have little fish on the back of their automobile. Sometimes a little cross in it. But we're making likenesses. What's going on with, like Pastor said, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, what? Not seen. But somehow, man, he's got to have something to see. To believe. Unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun, and the moon, and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them? Some going to be inside us to be driven to worship them? What? Our heart is evil and desperately wicked. So it's going to drive you to worship them and serve what? Them. Which the Lord thy God, Yahweh, thy Elohim, 
hath divided into all nations under the whole heaven. Now, looky here. First thing I dealt with was uh, the star of David. Now, look what's coming out of this little fellow, this image here. That's Bacchus. That's Bacchus coming out of the center of the star of David. Now, tell me, does that look holy if you got a demon coming out of the middle of something? Is that righteous? Look at that image. That's ugly. And that's on a building. Images. An image is a 1504, an image, a figure, a likeness, and in their time we call it icons. Comes from the Greek word icon. Romans 121. Because when they what? Knew God. Now they didn't have no without knowledge of God, but they had knew God. They glorified him what? Not as God. They didn't glorify him as the most high, the creator of all things. And says, neither were thankful, but became what? Vain. And their what? Imaginations. And their what? Foolish heart was, dark, was darkened. So in their imaginations, they're starting to pull things vain. And out of their foolish heart, the dark things of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, the issues of life come out of the heart. Professing themselves to be wise, and yeah, there was many, like Pastor said, thought it was wise to take the Apocrypha out of the Bible. And they showed how much they were fools. But many out here trying to philosophize, like you heard, trying to intellectualize, trying to put things into boxes, into categories, say it's this, say it's that, dissecting it here and there. They became what? Fools. And changed what? What did they end up changing? The glory. The same glory that is going to be revealed in us. They want to change that. And we know who is behind all this changing of the glory. Lucifer himself, when he saw his own brightness, he became corrupted and thought it was coming from himself. And changed the, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into what? An image, into an icon, into an idol, to an engraven thing within them, made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Here we go. Don't that look so... Religious, so holy. No, that is a lying vanity. It's a lying vanity. It's set up on high. And you go in any of these churches, you see it on the top of the churches. You see it up high. It's always put up on high. Set up on high to display the pomp and fashion of the world. Notice what's right behind it? The sun. Notice how that's portrayed. It's illuminated by the sun. So we're dealing not only with uh, image worship, we're also dealing with sun worship. That's a nice looking figure, huh? It's what all the world seems to know uh, Christendom by this one image, Christ on a cross. But is that so? But is that true? Is that a true image? 
Is that a, a likeness that we should be looking upon? Is that something we should be seeking after? Is that something we could use to help further our worship and our praise? We can look upon it and get a heartfelt moving in ourselves to really worship and praise the Most High God. But many will look upon that and go, oh. See what's going on in the heart? When an image is raised up, it's set up on high, how much people venerate this on high? There we go. Again, Christ on a cross. And notice right, right below his hands, I know you can't see it there because of the light. Should make this brighter or not. It's hard to see. It's right in here is two crosses coming down from his hands. And again, the same thing. Henry, the Latin thing written above his head, beaten, body of Christ, a crucifix. Go to Galatians 6.14. Galatians 6.14 says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that, that's good reason now to worship and venerate this image here. We got a glory in it now. In the cross of our Lord Jesus by whom the world is crucified. Ah, now it gives an understanding of what this cross is. The true cross that we have within ourselves is that we crucify ourselves and make ourselves to the rudiments and the elements of this world. The crucifixion takes on the inside. We shouldn't be looking on something that's on the exterior. But the crucifying of the flesh, that is the true cross that we bear. Not some image. Not some image is going to take away from that glory that should be revealed in us. And we should be dying daily to the rudiments of this world and everything in this world. That's how we carry the cross. Dying to our own lusts and our own sins and our own desires and living to a holy God. But these things, when they're raised up, they'll, they'll cut that all to pieces and take it and strip it away from you. Well, we don't know that, do we? There he is. Another one with the sun right behind. Here comes the sun. Da, 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 da. Do we think it's all right? There it is again. Boy, don't that just make you feel so religious, so warm inside, so fluffy and so wholesome? Many people do. They walk in and... I mean, what's going on in the heart with this matter? Sand, go along. We got to wear it around our necks. Huh? That's a coward expression. Rather wear it on our necks than actually wearing it and putting it on our backs and then performing it every day. There we are again, another one. 
Golden cross. Cross. In the Greek, it's 4716 Stauros. It's an upright stake, especially a pointed one. Now, when we look at that Greek definition, we always picture the cross as a beam going upright and a beam going across. But according to the, if you take it back to its original rendering, it's only talking about one pole, one upright stake. Like one person uh, I was reading made an, uh, an observation. You know, if Christ had to carry this big edifice, you know, a big upright pole about maybe 13 foot long, and his arms span about almost the same length because a man's arm's length is almost as his height. Just think of the weight of that thing. And he said, uh, especially during the times of the city in Jerusalem like that, and it's even uh, reverberated in the scriptures that, you know, during the time of war, they, the entrances to the city were made narrow for a certain point. That, you know, the people that are on camel or horseback, they would have to dismount to get inside. But you know, Christ had to go without the city. You know, he carried it through the city. This stake. Now, if he was carrying this cross beam and this whole thing through the city and then had someone else to help him, how could they get through something so narrow with that type of cross? Because he had to be crucified without the city. Think about that. That's a cross. That's what our rendering in the Greek is. And there's another word in the Greek called zulon, which I believe and know that the Scriptures is telling the truth on that. Zulon is the tree. Let's go to Acts 10.39. Acts 10.39, it says, We... Are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hung on a what? A tree hung on Zulon. They didn't hung him on a cross. It's amazing, you know, the the that the scriptures would talk about a cross and then later on talk about a tree. Let us go to uh, 1 Peter 2.24 on the same word of Zulon. First Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self, talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, where? On the tree. That we, being dead to sins, shouldn't live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Another explanation of what the cross, the tree is to us. Let's go to Galatians 
where it says, Christ, the anointed one, hath redeemed us from what? The curse of the law, being a made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And you can find that in the law, Deuteronomy 21, verses 20 through, through 23. So now we're kind of building an understanding of what the true cross is. Not what's been given us through the ages to distort our mind, to keep us from the true faith, to distort our faith. Subject of this fragment is the cross. The cross which, rightly or wrongly, we have been accustomed to look upon as an exclusive Christian emblem. And that's what has been pushed. Every time you've seen a cross, everybody's Christian, 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 Christianity. The Christian shares it only in common with the pagan. And that is the truth. Heathenism, not Christianity, is its original possessor. It's amazing, you know, just like the Greeks used to do. They take other people's history and rewrite it and make it their own. Nothing, 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 no different. Taking something, you know, from antiquities of old and just uh, repainting it and, you know, putting a new shellac coat on it, a new paint, and then calling it, yeah, it's all new now, look at it. <coughs> like Pastor said, it's not the new world order. It's the same thing being renewed. So heathenism. Not Christianity is its original possessor. You mean this was the original possessor of the cross? Yes, go and find out and read for yourself. That's all you got to do. There's nothing that I'm getting ready to present to you is not outside of all your encyclopedias, all your secular encyclopedias, all your Wikipedias on the Internet, all your search engines, you can put it in there and find the very same thing. Your own heathen people will, will tell you that... that the very thing I'm... The heathen had the cross at any rate 1,000 years before Christianity. In the ancient world, the cross was used as a religious symbol to represent the union of male with the female. You mean this thing is a, a sex idol? Yeah. Fertility idol? Yes. That's why all your churches got all these phallic symbols as windows. Got a phallic symbol sitting on top of the, uh, the roof. And you're wondering why you're having problems with adultery and fornication and all kinds of sexual enamors. Look, look at the buildings that you're worshiping in. Some of the doors, yeah. I mean, a lot of the architecture is after a what they call a phallic manner. Now, I don't want to go into any deeper than that. You know, I'm pretty much touching basically today a basic explanation because there's going to be more teachings on the cross after this, and we're going to go deeper. I don't know if people want to go deeper. I don't know if you want to go deeper. You might have already done turned off the YouTube by now. <laughs> That's because of what you learned. You don't want, you don't want to... Uh, hum humilify yourself humble thyself to receive truth look here in Assyria this star I mean this 
Yes, star. And this cross, you can be found all thousands of years before Christianity in Scandinavia, Babylon, Assyria, India, Europe, Mexico. We'll see. Look here in Assyria. That is King Samsevul. I think it was 528 B.C. Syria has got cut off right there, but you can see something around his neck here, huh? What is that? A cross. But also notice up here other sun symbols that you look like you're getting ready to point to. Get another perspective of this. Samsevul. There we are again, a little bit enlarged. See, we got the sun. We got some kind of little fork thing here, the moon. Another probably sun image. No telling what's going on right there. I know it ain't good because he's a heathen. He's a pagan. He's ungodly. And that's a, he's pretty much having an edifice fashioned after him after the gods that they worshipped and veneered or venerated at that time. Again, look around his neck. Same thing again. Kind of highlighted it here. Look, that same cross with the sun symbol right beside it. Hmm, how pagan can we go? See, there is a sketch drawing of the very same thing of Samsi Bull, king of Assyria, 825 B.C. Here is a, you can tell it's pretty well weathered. More than likely, this was on a wall or on a ceiling. You can see this is pretty old and how it's pretty weathered and faded and everything. You got a cross here, cross here. Then you got another form of a cross right here with a loop on top. Still all pagan, all heathen. Before Christianity. Another little stone piece pulled out of a, probably a temple or a building. Same stone you see around uh, Samson's bull's neck. And you also see right here, again, the sun symbol. And it's sitting in some kind of little niche there. Accordingly, it probably had this in real life form, and then they made a depiction of it in stone. Here's another one. Many crosses in this one. Look at that. One, two, three, four. I mean, it's all through archaeology. I mean, way before Christ's time. Here's one in a pillar. Looks like they did a lot of engraving here. It's some kind of Coptic language. It looked like pretty much Egyptian. They wrote all that, and then they went again and then put another cross in here. I don't know if you can see it very closely, but it is a cross. Same cross we've been looking at, same one uh, king of Assyria had, the, the cross with the flared ends. There's another one in the form of wheels. Turned just a little bit, surrounding a pot in a hole. I don't know, the, there was no description on this picture. I didn't know where it come from, but you can see it set in a wall. You can tell it's pretty old by the way it's weathered. There's another one in a wall, same cross, heathen and pagan. 
here we are. Some kind of hieroglyphics. Egyptian most likely. We can see right here. Some Egyptian right here. Then we can see some Greek put on later on. Then we got a little cross here that kind of looks like it's been weathered probably by war or whatever. Another little cross and then it has probably a top on it which you can't see right there. From antiquity. Egypt. Let's go back far to Egypt. We're looking at a symbol here. It's called the Ankh. It's a fertility symbol. And all the pieces in there pretty much are probably a language talking about the fertility rites and everything that goes on within it. Because we got the eye horse right here at the bottom, one of their gods, because they, they worshipped many gods, many, many gods. The Ankh. It combined male and female symbols of Osiris and Isis. That was the generative power of this cross. Just as the same cross that we are venerating in our church has the same so-called sexual venerating powers. You don't, you, it's more than a symbol. Here again, much symbolism in this. Got a scarab beetle. Got the onk cross sitting on top of a what they call a tall cross. Got the right here depicted again. I don't know what the language is saying, but it has to probably do something with this very thing that the priest probably had uh, formed in stone. And this is pretty much in a lot of Egyptian archaeology. There's one of the kings. Look, 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 look what kind of staff he's got. Notice that. It's a multi-form staff. Got the little head right there of one of their gods. Then you can see the generative power of that cross right there. And then another one right here. We'll see later on what's going on with these. Here again, Isis and Osiris. Look who's uh, doing the leading here. A woman with the generative force right here pushing it to the man. A lot of symbolism. I mean, that was a language back then. I mean, if anything, they, they're trying to uh, speak to us in this hour is the way that they thought back then. And they always done it in pictures. And pictures mean a lot, especially when it's in symbol symbolic form. There again, we got two little winged creatures on each side of a generative onk. Again, an eagle. Right here, this is pretty old. You can tell by the weathering. Right up under his wings. There again. Generative powers. And look, another cross. A lot of things have been borrowed from antiquity and renewed. Here is a, an Egyptian priest in all his attire. If you can't see it around his neck, but he has the same generative cross hung around his neck. 
Here we got many forms of crosses, like Egyptian cross button, amulets of Sumerian and Hittite dynasties, as from Bismia, Mesopotamia, swastikas. From Bismia, you mean cross can be in the form of a swastika? Yes, it can. The cross took on many forms before it actually became a Christian emblem. As from Abippo and Cilicia, and got a turtle type, Hathor, head and serpent over enemies, hawks and onks over the enemy, from Abydos, from great collections of sun crosses of summer, from Egypt, Troy, Phoenicia, and ancient Britain. Mm. Here again, we got crosses now made with moons. Moons. There's the cross with the generative power over it. Onk again, crossing crystals, cross with leaves growing all over it. These are depictions of actual things carved, things fashioned by hands. Celtic, that's about the region of Scandinavia, Ireland, Europe, and Scotland. Look at them crosses, not too much different from the one that uh, Sam Seville had, huh? His was, you know, same length of cross as it was height, but now we're starting to see the cross taking on, you know, a little bit longer bottom here. Still, what's behind it? Sun. Generative of the sun. Here again, another carved emphasis of stone. Coptic cross. Looks pretty, don't it? There's another one. Got many, many symbols in it. Got the little tithe in there and then got the little normal crosses and then it's got a X up there. Hmm. Wonder what all that means. We're getting to it. All right, Aztec. Look at this. Quasicodal, huh? Back during the time of Mexico. It's amazing. When Her Herman Cortez conquered Mexico in the 16th century, to convert the native priest was to remove, the way he would do it, he would remove the old Aztec gods from their positions, from their niches, from their little idols at night and replace it with Christian, I mean Roman relics, papal relics of saints and crosses and whatever. And then the people being so simple down in that area, when they wake up in the morning, they thought it was divine. Because they seen their God changed out all of a sudden. And the, the same force and the same worship and everything they gave to their former God, now they're just uh, transferring it to another God. Look here, it's on Mayan temple. I don't know if you can see it too well. <coughs> but you got the priest on each side here. And right here, a cross within the work. That's in Mexico. It don't look holy to me. It don't look biblical to me, does it? You? Do it look like they're serving Most High Yahweh? No. Here again is, uh, I got was able to find a 
drawing of the same thing. Look here, the priest on each side doing whatever they must do, sacrifices, service, and here you got right there on the niche, right? A cross. And that's it, the full view of this temple upon entering. Same priest on the outside and then going in and then the veneration. Look at here, there's something off in Muslim land. Ram area of the Muslims. They got a stone here sitting upon another stone with a cross in it. And over here, another cross etched in it. As you can tell, the writing there. Hmm. Kind of self-explains itself. Now, the labrum. The chi roll. It says, on the evening of October 27th, 3012, that's A.D., after the death of Christ, at the Battle of Milvian Bridge, Emperor Constantine had a vision of a cross in the sky, which led him to fight under the protection of the Christian God. And then later on, he promoted this type of the cross. He promoted this cross for his troops as a sign of protection. That was for him and his army. He promoted this variety of the cross opposed to be the first letters of the name Christos, the X and the P. If you was to look at it again in the Greek. Constantine said this has pagan origins from Constantine. Founded inscribed on rocks from the year 2500 B.C., the same labrum, being a combination of two sum symbols. One, axe or hammer of the sun our sun deity, Scandinavia was uh, the acts of the god Thor. And two, the cross or the X as the symbol of the sun. Both have a sensual or fertility meaning as well. So this thing has generative powers in the realm of phallicism and sex worship? Yes. There we are again. Another one of the labrum. This sign was the imperial sign. This was a sign that, that uh, Constantine heralded across all his kingdom. That was used in succeeding in uniting both divisions of his troops. Pagan and Christians in a common worship. So it started with his army first and then spread out. There he is right there, venerated him himself and the labrum on the coin. Method of commerce at that time. And this is the banner which his troops would always go into battle with first. Notice the next cross on top of there and the same labrum right there, the Cairo. 
Jiro, wherever you want to pronounce it. Now here we got an interesting figure. This where the, the cross that she's got in her hand came into play. No, Christ, uh, Constantine brought in the, uh, the labrum, and he pushed that through all his kingdom for that time that he was alive. And he made his mother high up in the kingdom. He appointed her as the Augusta Imperatrix, given access to the treasury at that time to locate the relics of Judeo-Christian traditions. This is Helena. This was Constantine's mother. She went on a journey to Palestine to find the true cross. That's why you see her right here holding the cross in her hand. She went on a pilgrimage for the two cross. She supposedly found the nails of the crucifixion as well as wooden pieces from the true cross, and she returned to Rome with them. And from that point on, we can start seeing now this taking form. There she is, venerated again. What is she holding up by herself? A cross, a wooden cross. And there is a pictograph now on canvas of her very thing that she went to Palestine to do, went over into the east to do. You can see that she had them over there digging up the relics. You see the three crosses there? Two supposedly of the thief, and the one in the middle is supposedly the true cross. And once she found it, it was given to her. And I thought this was quite amazing, because you know there were no J's back then. There's a word right above this man called I-U-D-A-S. Why is this guy called Judas? And he's getting ready to hand her over the cross. Which, you know, there she is in all her glory with a sun symbol around her head as well. Getting ready to receive a cross. And look behind her, a nice little Easter egg. Look at that. Makes you wonder, huh? So we can start seeing now something take form that Actually, it was Constantine's mother that actually brought the form of this cross into being now. She took all that relics and all, all the nails, supposedly, of the crucifixion, and actually one of the nails she put in, in Constantine's helmet for protection. That's how warped these people's mind was. They were pagan to the core. Here we are again. Drawings, you know the king of Assyria there. Heathen crosses of Egypt, Greece, Egypt. Heathen cakes that were baked to the queen of heaven. Christian cakes. Catholic Rome, look at Greece. Rome ain't much difference, huh? Mexico. Heathen Mexico, as we saw in that shrine. Here we got a form of Diana of the Ephesians with a star. Hmm. Six-pointed star right beside her. A moon. And look, a cross on her head. And here's a, another type of cross that was venerated in London. So, we start to get the picture now that this ain't strictly Christian, as they say. But it is heathen to the core and pagan to the core. 
Here we are, Astarte, where we got Easter from. A depiction of her with a, what? Cross in her hand. Later on in Catholicism, St. Margaret. Same thing, huh? Except she just holds it a different way now, so it's new. Here are some Egyptian priests. Notice the high priest here. He's just decked with all kinds of crosses and everything all over his garment, even on his legs. Even the, the, peop, the ones preceding him in protection with their spears and their swords. Look what's around their neck. Egypt, huh? And our old friend Bacchus. Old Bacchus with a headband around his head. And this, this thing goes through antiquity many, many years. Bacchus was a, a, one of the Greek gods that was highly worshipped. And that's what the sacred name movement is trying to say that the name of Jesus is derived from on a certain sex. There he is again. Same picture, but him now with a little tree in his hand and a little cup. That looks so nice. Here we are right now. We got the different types of crosses. Got the crux. Crux is Latin for cross. The cross, crux, quadrata. I mean, it's equal on each side, intersects at the same point. That's the Greek cross. You got the crux, emessa, the Latin cross, which one that's pretty much veneered in most of your Christian, Christian churches. Got the crux, commissa, commissa, the tall or the Anthony's cross, which is like a letter T. Got the, cru the cross, du cusada, St. Andrew's cross. The crux ansata, which we are, the ankh again. And the, cru the cross gumata, the swastika. You mean that was a cross that Hitler venerated and set up on high to slay, to slay the Jews at the time? Crux du casada. That is supposedly Andrew being crucified on that type of cross. And again. St. Andrew again, in stone image. There he is, being posed by his own crucifixion manner. With the sun around his head. Don't that just make you want to venerate the saint? The crux gamata. There we are, the cross. It's pretty much the same cross from the beginning. It's just that it's been taken on different forms. It's been moved the legs, different directions. Now, it is said that, you know, Hitler used this cross as his emblem for his uh, Third Reich. This form, it is aggressive. But anytime you've seen it, these going the other direction, going counterclockwise, that is passive. That means a peaceful type, a cross gamata. Here again, we got one cross within another cross which we pretty much looked like probably the Germans wore this in 1939. Mm. There we are with the flag of the Third Reich. And it's amazing if you look at St. Peter's Basilica, the layout of it, it's laid out in the same manner as this flag is. 
I wish I should got a picture of that, but later on we'll, we'll take a look at that. Here we got the toe cross, the crux or the cross commissa. It's like the letter T. You know, the Egyptians used that a lot, and then they, when they, they, later on they added the generative power by putting the loop on top of the very same cross. They used one cross to make another cross. There's no new thing under the sun. Another wooden toe cross. Notice it's set up on high. It's shrined. There's one right there. Got a, 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 a man attached to it. I suppose I guess our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, huh? And there's one in jewelry. This one's got faces in it, yeah. One side it's got the sun, other side it's got the moon. Right in the middle it's got another sun. It's got the dove. It's got the lamb. It's got the fish. Boy, it is loaded. Boy, put that on, boy. I'm gonna be. Super powerful, super religious. Man. That's in jewelry. People want to wear this, I guess, and walk around and try to show it. I guess it's their emblem of pride. Here we are. Old Pope, don't he look so holy, so humble, kneeling right by, below his crucifix there? You know that crucifix thing? Actually, the cross in Christianity as you never did show up unto the scene in churches until 300 years after Christ, as we learn from uh, St. Helena. And the crucifix comes some 200 years after that. But well, we see who is uh, leading the way in uh, idolatry, Rome. There we are. There's a Greek, a Greek guy. Orthodox Greek. Look at all that cross. Boy, don't that look so holy, so, so righteous. I mean, you got to mm, bow down to that, huh? Boy, he looks so pious. There again, we got some more Greek priest. One of them's got a, uh, look like a double-headed eagle on his head. And look at all the crosses. And all the things hung around him. And they call that uh, holy. Now that's religion. That is religion to its core. Religion likes showing things on the outside and have nothing on the inside. They're full of dead man's bones. They're empty. Look at here, old Pope Benedict. Look at that. Not got a nice tall uh, phallic hat on. You can see the same shape in a lot of churches. Got his nice little crucifix there. Oh, he's just blessing the people, ain't he? Whew. Here he is again. Whoa! They're coming out to grab you. Don't you want this man to bless you? He's got a cross on. He's holy. He's righteous. He's Christian. He lay hands on you and cast out the devil. No, I don't think so. He can heal the sick. No, I don't think so. He needs to put his ring on right. There he is again. Look at there. Right on the top of his head. Mary. The veneration of Mary. Got two angels bound down at her feet. 
Got a crown on her head right there and a son right behind her. And looky here, on his little cross here, a little lamb. Ain't that nice? Ain't that so religious and holy? Most of them crosses that they wear around their neck, they're in the form of what they call a pectoral cross. So anytime you see crosses on these priests like this, that is what they refer to as a pectoral cross. Here's a cross of, uh, on the breast of Pio Nono's corpse as it lay in state at St. Peter's. It still shows the same resemblance of Sam Seville's cross that he had around his neck. As we see now, Maltese cross. We've seen many crosses on these priests and these popes. There are many forms on these priests and popes. And one you'll see the most of is a Maltese cross. You can see that it has four intersecting triangles on this point. Right here, the same Maltese cross pointing inward to another swastika, another form of the cross, probably worn by a German at the time. Same form again. You'll probably see this on some, some, uh, uh, some bikers, some hardcore hell angel bikers right on their hard, hard chill helmet. And you'll even see this cross in some form and it'll have the words hardcore Christian written on it. You see even this same form of the cross that the firefighters use as an emblem sometimes. Same cross again. That's the, the emblem that the firefighters use. It's the same type cross. And, and in Mexico, this is how their altars were shaped that they did human sacrifices on. Notice the shape again. Here's the Pope. Look on his back there. <laughs> It's familiar. What color is it? Can y'all see the color of what it is? Red. Says uh, the familiar red cross. What once known. Now I read about this and studied about this. And it's in, in Twiggity. It's in, in history. Once known as the mark of the God of hell. But now has become venerated as a sign of life. The mark of the papal Christian. Right there. On, that's probably on the back of Benedict there. Raising up his chalice. Notice there, there's another, another star there. I mean, another cross with a star in it. Now we got a cross and a crown. This shows up in a lot of churches. This looks holy. This is some kind of venerated as some religious symbol, but it really is it. Here's the watchtower. Mormons. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Got the little knight over here. And got what right there? Cross and the crown. They say, well, this depicts Jesus. You know, he's the king, and he died on the cross. That's what made him king. But is that by faith? We walk by faith and not by sight, don't we? 
Again, in a Masonic temple, the same very thing. And a close-up of that, cross and the crown. We know Masons have nothing to do with God or Jehovah or Yahweh, Yeshua. They, you know, they worship Lucifer. They pretty much make known that they worship Lucifer. Again, masonry. The cross and the crown. It's one of the heavy-duty Masonic symbols. Here, Tim LaHaye, a Christian author, writing a book, The Power of the Cross. What do you see there? I see a cross for fleur-de-lis. I mean, uh, there's two images put there. Right, stuck right inside a cross and the crown. Here again, a Masonic altar. Cross right behind with a rosary in the middle. Good old grandfather of Masonry, Albert Fat Pike. Look how big this fellow is. And he's got the same cross that we've seen on the back of the Pope. I don't know if you can see it there, but he's got a unique cross tied around his neck. We've seen that earlier in certain depictions of archaeology. There it is, close up. Same cross, Maltese cross, with the sun in the symbol. And then this very three-legged cross or three-striped cross. Looky there. Oh, Pope John Paul. We've seen uh, Albert Pike, and we know he had no mount of God in him. He was a well-known devil worshiper. And here we got the Pope with a staff. Looks like the very same thing that was hung around his neck. That thing that was hung around Albert Pike's neck was called the Baphomet. It was the sign of Baphomet. So what is the Pope doing carrying around a Baphomet-type cross? There he is again, going up on stage with it. But he's got a pillow to, you know, to soften his feet, you know. Don't want to bruise the, the corns on the Pope. You know, he's infallible. You don't want him to fall because he's infallible. <laughs> but you got to help him up. He's old and he's feeble. He needs that uh, Baphomet to help him up on stage before he appears to the people. Here we are. Many crosses of uh, Masonic called the Knights Templar. Again, we see the same cross, the one with the intersecting in the middle. Cross there, the shield, and the sh shield with the cross, another cross and shield, labrum, and look at there, there is that little lamb again with the little cross in its paw. Another little cross on a niche, cross and a sword right there with a sun symbol on it. Another cross up on a stick, cross on a stick. There's star, Mog and David, pentacle. Hmm. Amazing, huh? Here we are. 
50,000 Klansmen and their friends witness a vast ceremony at Wilson Station at the East Highway, Seattle, Washington. And what they got on fire there? The cross right below the Holy Bible. If you can see it, that says Holy Bible, and they got a cross, and they got multitudes of Klansmen. You think they're following Christ with that kind of uh, hatred they have? Thinking that the Aryan race is the only race that's going to survive. Here we are at a Klansman's wedding, KKK wedding. Look at their nice little dunce caps and their nice little robes. But look on the little children and some of the women. Got the nice little labrum type cross, upright cross there with the thing in the center. Hmm. So can we say this cross is exclusively Christian? The watcher on the tower. And you want to know what clan KKK stands for? The clan, the constitution, all with K's, and the cross. Kind of looks like a same watchtower thing that uh, Mormons had, huh? And this is the Ku Klux Klan. Right at the bottom, truth, KKK. Statue of Liberty and some guy with his hand up. And we remember back in World War II who was doing that same hand style? Pick your pendant now. Depending on how Jesus died. Suppose Jesus died with a, by an axe. Suppose he died by hanging. How about stoning or a whip or a guillotine or some kind of torture? How about a noose? What if Christ died by a noose? Or knifing? Or they shot him up with a needle? Or by shooting him? How would we venerate our Savior if he died after this manner? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe we should do that, huh? Maybe they should all do that if Christ was uh, hung by a noose. Maybe we ought to hang a, a noose, noose from the steeple. How about a gun? How about that axe? How about the guillotine? Or it could be an electric chair, anything. I mean, any form of death. They just put it up on the wall, put it around our neck. Wouldn't that look God, you know, if Christ died by hanging, you know, everybody can run around with a noose around their neck, showing their pride? The church's glory in the instrument of Christ's death. Hmm. So the image. What does the image do? It hides Christ's suffering from guilt and sin. It veils and hides the power of, the, of one crucifying oneself to eternal life. What does it foil? It foils the power of crucifying. And it debases what? The glory of crucifying of one's own self again. It puts to demeaning the, the very work that Christ did within us. If we're going to go and start venerating crosses, then we're going to take everything away. We're going to push everything to the external and not deal with the internal. The 
The real cross of Christ is death to the glory of this world. But it's living unto Yah in a new and living way. So if we start worshiping images, then what does that say what's, what's going on in the inner man? What does that say about you? When you want to venerate something wooden, something stone, something fashioned out of man's hands. Is that faith? We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm not going to hope for a cross. cross done nothing for me. What we need to do is get up on that cross as with Him. Not the cross that's in a T fashion, but the cross of dying to self, dying to the lust of this world, dying to the desires of this world. See, take up your cross and follow Him. Not take up a little wooden thing and throw it on your back and do a pilgrimage down the road. That's foolish. No, but it's, it's walking uprightly and showing forth Christ's death in your body. What does it turn? It patiently turns away the view of the joy promised hereafter. So we look into images, we're looking to crosses, we're looking to edifices of stone. It's not going to do you no good. It's going to damn you. Thou shalt have no other gods before him. Don't make unto him any graven image. And we've seen many graven images. We've seen how the heathen practiced and how the pagans showed their worship and their religion. And you think Christianity is any different? I think not. Well, praise the Lord. Hopefully this has given you a little bit more. This is just the beginning on this. It was kind of... It, there's a lot to deal with on this subject of the cross. I just did a broad overview. There's more intricacies to get into. There's more meat in the matter of this in time to come. So bless you all and thank you. Praise the Lord. May the Lord uh, bless you and encourage you and strengthen you in the knowledge and wisdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we're not going to be an ignorant people. We're not going to fall down to crosses and to images because we've been known better. He, he commended his love toward us. And he's always commending his love toward us. Pastor. What a mess, huh? That's a big, big time mess. Well, I told you. If Christ was in our time. They kill him in an electric chair. And this is what you would see in churches everywhere. <laughs> Behind pulpits. That's right. <laughs> then they have chairs and hang chairs around the net. <laughs> I'm telling you. Christianity is stupid. It really is. Um, I can say that because we we have studied, show ourselves approved. Anyway, we thank the Father for everything that He has shown us. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, there's Brother Shane's Apocrypha up here.
Y'all need to read these books. And do it for your own, you know, your own soul's sake because you can't depend on um, your family members. He, I'm telling you, that's the reason why the body of Christ is so important. You look at all of us, boy, it, our families, basically all of us, they, if we ever come around with some type of object of scorn, you know, they tolerate us. You know what I mean? At, at best, very reserved in what they call love, the little hypocritical love, you know, the little sorry cold hugs and everything, stuff like that, really can't wait for us to leave. Amen. So they can get on back. Because, now that's, that's a good thing, though, because what they're saying is, they're saying that your righteousness is reflecting on their corruption. If they can't feel comfortable when you come around, that means light is, is coming to the world. Uh-oh. Yeah. And when people are in darkness, they want to run from light. Hallelujah. That's when I show up place, I'm, hi, how y'all doing? And then you get that painful smile. <laughs> You ever had them come? Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for words of truth. Pray these hands sing deep down in our hearts and our minds. And we serve you continually all the days of our life until the Nemesia comes out of our body. In Jesus' name, amen. That means breath in case you didn't know.